Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Simply Holy, the podcast for people who want to live a joyful life in Christ. I'm your host, Marge Steinhake Fenelon, and I am very, very excited to have with me today, Barbara Lee. I, I was reading through her credentials initially when I scheduled the interview, of course, but, but just now as a reminder, and again, I thought, well, you know what? I'm really impressed with, with this woman. So, She's a, a practicing spiritual spiritual director. Excuse me. She lives in New York City. Oh, kudos to you. That must be. I hear that is not the funnest place to be right now. Oh, listen, it's a wonderful place to live. Don't knock it. <laughs> okay, good. That's good to hear because I my sister lives in New York. She's like, I can't stand this place. So good because I th- I've been there and I thought it was pretty fascinating. But that was many many years ago. Well, Barbara Lee is a retired attorney, a former U.S. magistrate judge, and a long-serving member of the Ignatian Volunteer Corps. Love to hear more about that. An organization of retired people inspired by Ignatian spirituality who perform volunteer work among the poor. She is the author of God Isn't Finished With Me Yet and the book that we'll be talking about today. Answering God's Call, A Scripture-Based Journey for Older Adults. Welcome, 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 Barbara. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I am so intrigued by your book um, because I think it is laid out so very well and touches on so many topics. So before we delve into the book, can you give us some background about yourself? You know, I, I gave the, the credentials, but I'm sure there's more to Barbara Lee than what appears on the back of the book cover. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that I had a career as a lawyer and a judge. And when I retired, I joined the Ignatian Volunteer Corps. And I was very happy for 16 years teaching English at an immigrant services center. My 
students were mostly, were almost all Chinese, about 90% Chinese, and many of them were uh, senior citizens, grandparents who took care of grandchildren and so forth. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. Um, Ignatian Volunteer Corps not only places volunteers with agencies that serve the poor, but we have a kind of a spiritual community where we do meet to uh, pray together, to uh, share our volunteer experiences, and most of us have access to spiritual direction. I say most of us. When I started in 2000, uh, we were all paired with spiritual directors, but now there are more than 600 of us in 22 different cities, and there aren't enough spiritual directors to go around. But anyway. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, I think... The spiritual component of this is every bit as important as the volunteer work. So in the course of praying with Ignatian spirituality and meeting with a very gifted Jesuit spiritual director, I experienced a call to become a spiritual director. Now, by this time, I was in my early 70s. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> Go back to graduate school at my age? Are you kidding me, Holy Spirit? Well, Holy Spirit is very persistent. So I did have a period of discernment. And uh, I then spent three summers at Creighton University, which is a Jesuit school in Omaha, uh, it's 100 degrees in Omaha in July. <laughs> oh, my. Interesting experience, but wonderful, wonderful training program. And my first book, God Isn't Finished With Me Yet, came out of the educational experience because in the course of my studies, I discerned that I was being called to minister to the aging and I usually introduce myself as spiritual director with the ministry to the aging. So um, I wrote a little something about how Ignatian spirituality uh, can provide resources for aging adults. And I sent it to America Magazine, which published it in 2016, I think it was. And someone at Loyola Press read the America article and got in touch with me. Now, I'm sure all the aspiring writers out there are just horrified at the <laughs> of uh, a new writer being contacted by the publisher instead of the other way around. It's all a grace. That's the only way mm -hmm. of explaining it. So um, the first book came out in 2018, and... In the course of interviewing people for that book and afterwards talking to people when we launched it and I, you know, did some readings and so forth, I became, I started to think more about the lack of role models in scripture for older adults. And older adults are underserved in the church as in the larger community. But um, we hear, for example, in the Christmas story, every year we hear a little bit about Anna, the 84-year-old prophetess. 
But that's in the context of the parents of Jesus bringing him to the temple. We also have Simeon. There's a lot about recognizing the Messiah. Anna is just a kind of a background character. But when you focus on Anna, and I've never heard anybody preach a sermon at Christmas time about Anna, but when you focus on her, what a remarkable person she was, 84 years old, in a patriarchal society where women were invisible. Nobody wanted to hear anything that women wanted to say. And she had been all this time in the temple. She was a widow. She lived in the temple. She prayed and fasted. And Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in, and she recognized him. And not only that, but she went out and started preaching. <laughs> what a wonderful idea of a late-life call. So that was one example. There are many others. So that started me thinking about um, how people could pray in the Ignatian tradition with these scriptural passages, because there are many others, and it's not just preaching. Miriam, the older sister of Moses, was called to creativity, and she burst out in song to celebrate crossing the Red Sea. St. Paul leads, led such an active life that it's exhausting just to read about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> suddenly, the last two years of his life, he was all alone under house arrest with one soldier to guard him. What a traumatic change that must have been. But he didn't sit around moaning. He found new ways to spread the gospel as people started to come to him, and he received them one-on-one. -on -one. So those are some examples of later life calls. And in the Ignatian tradition, we do emphasize praying with Scripture really getting into the scripture, understanding the feelings, and hearing what God is saying to us. So that's a kind of a long explanation of how this new book came about. <laughs> but it's awesome because it's so obvious that you were, dare I say, pulled by the Holy Spirit. Good you know, it, it, it just I, in my mind as you were relaying that, I'm thinking, you know, I could picture the Holy Spirit, you know, with it, with the finger and, you know, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you, I, I need to talk to you for a minute, Barbara. <laughs> we, we, we've got something for you to do. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's also the story of many of these biblical characters. Holy Spirit saying to Anna, hey, you, I've got something mm -hmm. to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I just, just kind of an off question because you you've obviously done a lot of research for this book i had heard from and i do not remember the source it was a biblical scholar and there was some thought that anna would have been or likely could have been the woman who taught i'm not i'm Oops, I, I mean, got to get my facts straight. She taught the Blessed Mother. So when, when the Blessed Mother was consecrated in the temple by Joachim and Anne, that she, I, I don't remember what the, the basis was for thinking this, but there was, there, there was a feeling that she might have been that 
the woman who ha would be, because they, because they would have had a, a female there was the thinking to work with this young girl. Yeah. I haven't heard that particular theory, but mm -hmm. there is some scholarship suggesting that Anna was not the only person, that there were a number of women, mostly widows like this, who lived in the temple and fast mm. prayed okay. and served. So that it was kind of almost like a proto-monastery. And there is also a story, and as far as I know, it's only a legend. I'm not aware of any scriptural scholar who has found proof of it, but there is a legend that Mary, as a very young girl, was sent to the temple to be educated in such things as weaving and embroidery, and apparently mm -hmm. young girls were sent for that purpose. And the interesting connection there, if you remember when the Roman soldiers were dividing the garments of Jesus, mm -hmm. they couldn't rip up his tonic tunic because it was woven in one piece. Oh, yes, yes. We, we have these little connections. So Mary must have been a really, really expert weaver, and she might well have learned that at the temple. But um, these are all theories. There's no way of proving any of them, but they're interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you choose the examples for this book? <clears throat> Uh, I, I would imagine it might have been a little bit like a kid in the candy store, or maybe there aren't as many as I think, and and you've pretty much gotten them all. Well, I think the shorter answer is that um, just about all of these are the fruit of my own prayer. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, the, my interpretation of Joseph, for example, we have three three gospel passages where God speaks to Joseph in a dream. Not mm -hmm. just one, but three. And the most important one is the first one where the angel says, you know, take Mary as your wife. Um, Mary had a chance to ask questions of the angel before she said yes. Zechariah argued with the angel and was punished for it. Mm -hmm. Joseph didn't have any conversation and nowhere in the Gospels does Joseph speak a word to anyone. So the first time I meditated on that passage and thought what it might mean to have this one-way conversation and then go out and do what God asks, I see Joseph as a model of stillness. Oh, beautiful. Mm -hmm. so that's one example. That That's also an example of how Ignatian prayer focusing on the people in the scripture in great detail, how nation prayer can lead us to a deeper understanding of the Bible stories. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, um, I did where I'm going to, I'm going to start a different way. Where did you, where were you introduced? How were you introduced to this, this Ignatian form of prayer? Because it is, I think not um, what fully enough. <laughs> I'm not using proper English. Understood right. no. or appreciated yeah. by the average Catholic because it's it's there's so much to it. There is so much to it, and um, I think 
Catholics who have had Jesuit education or people like me who've been in Ignatian Volunteer Corps or who have had Jesuit spiritual directors. And actually, the person who introduced me to it was not a Jesuit. She was the sister of Mary Reparatrix, hmm. who was a spiritual director for me starting in the late 70s until she became seriously ill in the early 80s. So I was mm-hmm. with her for a short period of time. But um, the Sisters of Mary Reparatrix did then, and I suppose they still do, although there are very few of them left. Most of the ones that I knew were very advanced in age, and they didn't seem mm-hmm. to growing. Anyway, they um, really applied uh, Ignatian spirituality in the way that they taught people and the way that they gave spiritual directions. So I was introduced to this form of prayer about more than 40 years ago, and it just wow. op- it just opened up the scriptures for me. And I know mm-hmm. some people who've said the same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, the dry mm-hmm. heat, bad things to my yep. throat. Sorry. That time of year, especially those of us in the colder climates. Yes, I perfectly understand. Yes. I... Uh, you know, simply holy is is the title of the, the mm-hmm. podcast, and so I I can't help but think to ask you if you could share with us how Ignatian prayer. It's a practice. It's just so much yes. more than 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 a prayer. You know, like we say, the Hail Mary, the Our Father. How has it helped you strive? For holiness, and I, I know I, that wasn't really something I mentioned to you before the interview to ask, but but it strikes me now that this would be a rich opportunity to talk about that. Well, the short answer is that it's really a game changer, and the longer answer is that um, there are a lot of opportunities to pray with a certain amount of structure. But it's not as rigid as some of the traditional forms of prayer that maybe we learned Mm -hmm. as children, you know. Um, So um, we are encouraged to say the Ignatian examine once a day where we review our day in terms of where God has been present and how we responded, all the things we're grateful for, all the things that we may be sorry for, and what we're looking forward to with hope. Then um, we are encouraged to journal. And some people are scared when they hear that because every day and it's not, it doesn't need to be a burden. It can only Mm -hmm. be lines. But, um, you know, if something in the day's gospel strikes you or something happens that you're really grateful for or something that you messed up, a few lines mm-hmm. in the journal, and then reviewing it in a month or so, you see patterns. And that's especially helpful if you're fortunate enough to have a spiritual director, because spiritual directors, there aren't as many of them as there are people who would like mm-hmm. to do that. Sure. But the patterns help. And then praying with Scripture in the sense of really applying your senses. Read the passage Imagine the people, one or more people, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? What are they feeling? Do you smell the sea? Do you smell fish? Do you 
feel rocks? Are you sitting on the grass? So what are these people like uh, Anna or mm -hmm. Lydia who gave hospitality to St. Paul? What are What is God saying to them? And then as you take this into yourself and meditate on it, what is God saying to you? Mm -hmm. So there is structure in this form of prayer, but it's not a rigid structure. And there's a lot of scope for openness to listening to what God is saying to you right now. Because God calls us in different ways <clears throat> at different times in our lives. That's the point of the book, and it's certainly the story of my life. So. Yeah, yes. I, I think that the, the for me, and I, I have not been trained in Ignatian prayer. In fact, it was my wild imagination as a writer that drew me into, I think it was, well, I know it was the Holy Spirit, drew me into this particular form of prayer simply because of my imagination. And then after the fact, I looked it up and I went, oh, okay, now I understand why that person said that to me. They thought, you, are you an Ignatian? Like, no, why? But what I, what, what is enticing to me is, is this idea of putting yourself into that gospel passage. Mm -hmm. It's not something you're reading on a page. Right. It's something that suddenly you're living. You're there. Mm -hmm. Like you said, what is it? What do you smell? What do you taste? What mm -hmm. do you feel? What, what are you hearing? Where are you standing? Mm -hmm. What, what character are you? And, and you're, you're this whole thing. If you allow yourself to do this, this whole passage, excuse me, <clears throat> yeah, both of us with a dry teeth, um, it, it, it just, it becomes alive. Yes, it does. It's not just something you're trying to memorize, you're trying to get through because you're, whatever, you're studying or you're, you know, whatever it is. It's not study. That's the thing. I mean, Bible mm -hmm. study is wonderful and Catholics should do more of it because mm -hmm. my generation didn't read the Bible. But mm -hmm. pray, this is prayer. It's not study. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know how people dressed in the first century B.C., mm -hmm to place yourself in the position of, for example, Lydia, who was praying with her household by the riverbank, and St. Paul came along and took over the prayer. <laughs> so, you know, you can you can get into the feelings and the interaction. You don't have to know what they looked like. <clears throat> yes, yes, and I, I just, I love that. And I, I'm so grateful for your book because you do that. And, and I just, folks, even if you aren't, I, I have to say, even if you are not getting older, I highly recommend this book because of the value of this idea of answering God's call. Because, because like you said, Barbara, at, at any age, at every age, God calls us. So, so I highly advocate the book for any age group at all. Someone um, asked me if yeah. um, this book was intended for anybody other than older adults, which mm -hmm. is a broad phrase. And part of the answer is that the adult children and grandchildren of older adults can also benefit 
from reading some of these stories to mm. help intergenerational understanding. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Course, I could see that. Aging. We're all aging. <laughs> yes, whether we like it or not, we right. are all aging. Right. But uh, I like to look a little bit now. I'd like to kind of revisit your own journey, your own faith journey. And I'd like, I ask all my guests this because I think this is why I, I, I do simply holy because I think people don't understand what holiness really is. Mm -hmm. So, so Barbara, what does holiness mean to you? What is your definition of holiness? Well, that's hard because it's one of those words that we use all the time without focusing on what they mean. I tend to think of it more as something aspirational mm -hmm. rather than descriptive. I mean, I have known two or three people in my life that I would categorically say were holy. Mm -hmm. But I think for most of us, what we're doing is striving for holiness, trying to do better, mm -hmm. trying to understand God's will, trying to respond to it. And we don't really know whether we're succeeding. God knows. Mm -hmm. And we just keep striving. And sometimes there are bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. We keep striving. I think, and I, I love that you focused on striving because I've heard that sadly way too many times. Well, I can't, I know I'm no saint. I can't be holy. And, and that's not, that's not it. Like they that's missed the boat right. completely yeah. because holiness is what's, what do I want to say with that? A verb in a sense, it's that striving. Yeah. It's a, it's a process. That's the word I really wanted. Holiness is a process. Okay. You know, we, we know the canonized saints are holy because they're canonized saints. But Something I had, wonder about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. But I, I did hear many, many years ago, someone, I, it, there was a, a homily I heard, and the, the priest said that, do you, did you, do you think that all saints were just born holy and he gave a number of examples of saints individuals who ended up being canonized but in their their younger selves you would never consider that person having been holy per se because well i mean look at saint augustine look at peter who denied our that's Lord right three times. that's right that's right, exactly. So so I like to remind people that exactly what you said, it's it's a striving. Mm -hmm. There's there's no arrival, mm -hmm. you know, unless you know when, until you're standing at the gates which nobody else would would know about only you and the Lord. Right. You, you don't, you're never going to know when you've arrived. Right. So um yeah, that it's that that striving. So What's for you the hardest part of that striving? Oh, that is a difficult question. Um, 
you know, all of this grace came to me very, very late in life. Mm -hmm. I had a career, I retired, uh, was doing volunteer work, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes along and just, well, you use the word pulled. I thought the Holy Spirit kind of blew me. Pardon <laughs> <Great>. me. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> blew me back and instead of leaving me to wonder where I was going to find people to direct, I was talking to one of my classmates the other day who just got her first directee. All of a sudden, because of the book, people started coming to me. Mm -hmm. And I am still a little overwhelmed by all this grace. <laughs> you know, where did it come mm -hmm. from? Why me? And how do I respond adequately well i can't respond adequately but how do i respond to yeah. all this grace and who am i now um so that's that's a challenge of trying to be holy of trying to respond to mm -hmm. god and i i personally i think you've done it beautifully i i'm so excited not only about the book but about all that you've been doing all that you do and it's your your point is is worth repeating that there aren't enough spiritual directors out there for all of the people that could and perhaps should <laughs> seek spiritual direction and so with i believe that with the with the right training there's a lot of potential among the laity to be tapped into. There, there is. Uh, training is an important word because you have to have a license to be a hairdresser or a manicurist, but you mm -hmm. don't have a license to be a spiritual director. Anybody can hang out a shingle. Mm -hmm. so if someone is looking for a spiritual director, it's really, really important to investigate the qualifications of somebody that you're referring mm -hmm. to. If they have been to a Jesuit program like the one at Creighton or this one at Boston College and some of the other Jesuit schools, mm -hmm. and there are some others that aren't all uh, Jesuit but that are well-known. Um, so it's good to start with either a priest or a professor at a Jesuit college or somebody who can point you in the right direction and then ask mm -hmm questions about where the person has studied good good information now one of the most important things i think is to let people know where they can get their copy of your book answering god's call where do they go to get that book loyola press is the publisher and they can go to their website and, of course, good old Amazon has it. <laughs> I mentioned Loyola Press first. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, a lot of yep. people like Amazon. So uh, it's certainly available in both places. Fantastic. And where do they find you? You know, I, I could foresee that there could be some people who might be interested in talking to you about spiritual direction or or. Uh, your, the other things you've written, or what, where do they find you? How do they how do they well, track you down? The best way is to contact Loyola Press, and okay. they will 
pass on to me anything that they think is real. So they would filter out, you know, anything that looks suspicious, which rarely happens. But anyway, Loyola Press has referred a number of people to me. That's the the best way. I don't have my own website. Okay. So so the, the Loyola Press website, and they're going to be looking for a phone number or an email, or what do you recommend? Um, I think there's a contact us link. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So, so my friends, please, Loyola Press for Barbara Lee's book, Answering God's Call, A Scripture-Based Journey for Older Adults. And, uh, wow, I am so grateful that you made it took us a long time to get the this one scheduled. It was that was tough. Between the two of us we had all kinds of things going on. But I am delighted that we finally connected, that we were finally able to sit down, chat, make this make this podcast so that other people can learn about this very important ministry of yours and this amazing book. So Barbara Lee, I appreciate your having spent this time with me today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's really been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you the best in your ministry. Thank you very much. My friends, until next time, please remember that the only thing keeping you from becoming holy is the excuse to make for not pursuing you. May God bless you, and may our Mother Mary protect you always.